0: Welcome back to P4 What4. I'm your host, Giselle Chung. As developers of the Phase 4 RF Thruster, we talk a lot about what we consider one of its key features: propellant agnosticism. Today we're gonna get a little help unpacking what exactly that means. We have phase four plasma physicist Derek Thompson joining us here in the lab. Derek, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. First, give me a little a little bit of context. What is being a plasma physicist at phase four mean?
1: Right, so being a physicist is, um, I think, is pretty commonly understood is uh, someone who researches and tries to understand the natural world. How do things behave? Uh, What laws underlie the phenomena that we see? Um, And then we can run experiments to try to understand them better. Mm -hmm. Being a plasma physicist um, is someone who looks Um, uses that framework to look specifically at gases which have been heated to the extent that the electrons uh, are removed from the neutral particles and so you have intermingled a cloud of electrons and a cloud of uh, typically positively charged heavy particles. And that can be interesting because then this uh, sort of soup of mixed particles follows electric and magnetic field lines and does strange things like uh, as a collective will move in a uh, helical pattern um, or in some cases will form what look like crystals. So um, that is what I do. The, uh, the way that that applies to phase four is that I try to use that framework and, and that experience to help expand the applicability of the radio frequency thruster that we're developing here um, and then improve in a physics way the how the performance of the performance of the rft and the plasma that it, that it produces okay so I use plasma physics to try to generate more thrust more efficiently
0: okay and part of what you do is also you look at other propellants that might work well within an rft yes okay. absolutely So when you think about propellant agnosticism, what what does that mean to you?
1: Right. So the traditional thruster concepts and technologies typically use a relatively small subset of difficult to source and relatively expensive gases uh, as their fuel. And so what we have in the RFT is the ability to... First, use those propellants as needed and as our customers want and have available. But we also have the option to move away from them to different propellants like water vapor, um, where you get distinct advantages both in a performance sense and then sometimes in an engineering uh, an engineering way as well.
0: Okay. And, and what is it specifically about the RF thruster on a physical level that, that even opens up? these other propellants outside of say like a xenon or a krypton right
1: so a lot of traditional thrusters again are relatively complicated they the materials that they use that interact with the plasma or with the gas uh, or with the vacuum of space are a bit exotic and they're pretty sensitive in a chemistry sense that if they are exposed to, say, the oxygen of the upper atmosphere, then they rapidly degrade. Sort of like it's a little bit analogous to rusting, um, and they become less effective to the extent that they can actually limit the lifetime of these technologies. At Phase 4, the RFT only exposes two materials to the vacuum and to the, the plasma itself. One is a ceramic, and then the other is just the chassis of the thruster. Which doesn't affect the performance of the plasma itself, and so the the ceramic is relatively insensitive to what is what it is exposed to, and therefore we are able to to use uh, a wide range of propellants without these deleterious effects happening.
0: When you think about propellants that might work well within the RF thruster, what are some of the features that you or qualities that you look for in? a given molecule. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so fuel agnosticism is kind of liberating in that instead of a sort of small subset of propellants you get to look at all the available propellants that are available. And that's not even gases specifically, but you can start looking at things that store in a liquid phase or even in a solid phase and then sublimate.
0: Mm, it, it seems like the analogy is sort of putting coal in your car or yeah. coffee in your car to, <clears throat> to power it.
1: Yeah, so if you could, if, uh, yeah, an analogy would be if you could take your car and run it on gasoline or diesel um, or two stroke or charcoal uh, or, you know, whatever else that you wanted, um, that would sort of be the benefits that we see with the RFT. Amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: What are some of the propellants that you've looked at where you thought, okay, this is really promising.
1: Um, so the, the main one besides uh, Xenon and Krypton is water vapor. Uh, water vapor has the benefit of storing relatively uh, densely because it stores it. We can store it in the liquid phase. And then for an engineering, from an engineering perspective, it doesn't need to be stored in a pressure vessel so all of the qualification all the testing all the risk that's involved with storing uh, highly compressed gases Mm. you just completely do away with and so from a from a safety standpoint from a reliability standpoint um, you you don't have this sort of nightmare scenario of a pressure vessel bursting on a satellite in a highly populated orbit Um, so certainly water vapor has been an exciting area of study and and we're pushing pretty hard to develop that
0: all right i think that's all the time we have thanks so much for joining us derek Uh, next week we'll have phase four vp of advanced projects jason wallace on to share his thoughts on why propellant agnosticism matters in a cost or economic context thanks for tuning in tweet us your questions at phase four plasma